The following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. There's been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. This is the Intentional Foul Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Saunders. I'll be riding solo here for the foreseeable future. Josh Goldberg is uh, taking a little time away from the podcast. He's got some other irons in the fire, and uh, he'll be back at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later, because I'm not sure if I'm the right guy to be the the lead MC or the the lead vocal guy of this show, but we'll give it our best shot and, and see what happens. Um... A lot of stuff going on in the uh, sports world here the last couple weeks since we did our last show. I'm uh, not going to try to recap everything, but uh, we'll try to hit the main stuff here that's been going on the last few days. Uh, we got the uh, the Bucks starting the second round of the playoffs. Uh, we've got the NFL draft just happened, and of course we've uh, we're kind of getting into the into the guts of uh, the Major League Baseball season. So. Um, you know, usually Monday, uh, overreaction Monday is, is kind of saved for the NFL season. Uh, but uh, lo- locally especially and, and even nationally, it's it's kind of an overreaction Monday when it comes to the Bucks and, and the dud they laid Sunday afternoon in uh, Game 1 against Boston in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Um, a lot of people jumping ship. I don't, I don't think I've seen anybody abandon ship this quickly since Fievel Mouskowitz and his family in American Tale. It's been pretty funny to see, um, you know, uh, some some people that have been riding with with the Bucks all season long. They have one bad game, and uh, everybody's ready to to bail. I I think it was just that. I think it was one bad game. I think there was a, a lot of things that went into what happened yesterday. Uh, recording this Monday night about, I don't know, 30, 32 hours after that game. Uh, game two tomorrow uh, at 7 o'clock on Tuesday night. I will be attending that game, so hopefully I see a, a much better performance out of the Bucks. But as far as game one goes, it, it really couldn't have gone much worse uh, for Milwaukee. W- worst game or one of the one of the three worst games Giannis played all season. Uh, Boston did a really good job uh, defensively. They had a Brad Stevens came up with a great scheme. You know, put Al Horford on him, who is is an older player, a veteran player. He he's been around. He's been in, in some wars and a lot of playoff series and guarded a lot of good people. He's he's a smart player, and you know you got you got to remember since last year. I mean. Milwaukee played Boston ten times last year, and they played them three times a regular season this year, and now game one. So that's fourteen times in a two-year span you're going up against the same team. That's that's a lot in the NBA, and uh, you can kind of see Boston had a had a lot of answers to to the Bucks' questions yesterday, um, especially with Giannis. It just made it very difficult on him. Anytime he drove into the paint, uh, there was a wall of Celtic defenders, and uh, you know, Giannis, Giannis struggled with, with some of his recognition. He looked a little unsure, a little confused, um, you know, hesitant on some things. He's got to make quicker decisions, kick the ball out to shooters when he when the defense collapses on him. But saying that, 
you know, you got to get some production from your other guys. Giannis, he's got to get some help. You know, I mean, Eric Bledsoe, one for five from the field. Brooke Lopez, one for five from the field. Sterling Brown, one for seven from the field. I mean, that's three for 17 out of three of your starters. It's not going to get it done. You know, I, I don't know what it is when, when Eric Bledsoe sees the Boston Celtics, but he he is just not himself when he plays that team. They have owned him the last two seasons, whether it's been Kyrie Irving or Terry Rozier, they are in his head. I don't know why, but they are. And uh, Brooke Lopez, this is going to be a tough series for Brooke. I'm not sure how much he's going to actually play. You know, he was a big part of the reason why the Bucks were the top defensive team in the league this year with his rim protection and, and the way the Bucks kind of played some pick and rolls with, with Brooks sagging into the middle and forcing some contested long twos. But, you know, you got to give Boston credit. They exploited that. They took Al Horford and, and put him at the top of the key. And Kyrie Irving was finding him for wide open jump shots, and a couple of them were threes. So. Milwaukee's going to definitely have to adjust. That's on Budenholzer to figure something out. Um, but Bledsoe, you know, he can't take just five shots. He's got to be more aggressive than that. There were a couple times he got in the lane, was wide open, and, and didn't shoot it. You know, Pat Connaughton coming off the bench goes two for ten. You can't have Connaughton taking ten shots and having Bledsoe and Lopez combined for the same amount of shots. I mean, that that's... You know, you're not playing uh, the Hornets on a Tuesday night in February. You're playing a healthy, motivated Boston team that's trying to get to the finals and, and who think they can win a title. So uh, some things got to change. You know, the Bucks did get some decent bench production. George Hill had a nice game. Miritich came in, hit some shots. Um, Ilyasova was bad. Connaughton was bad. Um, you know, the, the not having Malcolm Brogdon... You got away with that in the Detroit series because Detroit sucks and their best guy, Blake Griffin, was hurt. You didn't really have much competition there. Uh, I heard Richard Jefferson on ESPN talking about it. He thinks it was the worst thing that could have happened to, to the Bucks. They needed a challenge in the first round. And you kind of saw that yesterday where it was almost like the Bucks were kind of going at it half speed like it was a regular season game. And you could tell Boston was ready to go from the jump. Um, I don't know if it was the noon start or or what it was for the Bucks, but they just could not get it going. They had no effort. Um, and you hate to say that because it's kind of head-scratching. Like, well, no effort. Why would there be no effort? You know, it's the playoffs. Um, but I think, you know, and I hate I hate when I hear pundits say, uh, you know, they don't trust the Bucks or, or they don't trust Portland or some of these teams that are young and haven't been there before. But I, I really do think in game one that showed. You know, for Giannis, Middleton, Bledsoe, Lopez, I mean, basically everybody on the Bucks roster other than George Hill and, and Miritich, this is the farthest they've ever gotten. You know, this, these are now every game they play now is the biggest game of their career. And, you know, Boston is a veteran team. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Kyrie Irving's played in three finals. He's won a title, you know, um... I mean, even going all the way back to college, Gordon Hayward played a national championship game. So the lack of experience is something the Bucks are going to have to deal with. But you know what? There's a game under your belt now. There's no excuse. Uh, Tuesday night is an absolute must win. You cannot go down 0-2, losing both games at home, and expect to go on the road and beat Boston twice at home, 
try to win four out of five to win the series. I just I don't see that happening. Um, you know, hopefully Brogdon is back for game three, but even so, he's going to be limited. There's just, you know, you can't miss six, eight weeks of basketball and, and expect to be in, in shape and have any kind of a rhythm going. So, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, you don't want to overreact. It, it is just one game. I mean, <laughs> you know, this has happened before. I, I I remember being a little kid and, you know, in the 1985 NBA Finals, game one, Boston beat the Lakers 148 to 114. It was the, the Boston Massacre is what they called it. And the Lakers ended up winning four of the next five games and, and won the series and won the title. So you never know what can happen. I mean, Boston, you know, you, you got to look at it. If you want to look at it from the positive view, Giannis played terrible. Three of your five starters didn't show up. Your bench was garbage. You got out coached. Boston shot 54% from the field. And Kyrie Irving made Giannis look like a high schooler. I don't see all those things happening again in game two. Um, Boston's certainly capable of playing that way, but the Bucks are capable of playing much better. And um, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Um, I'm excited to go tomorrow. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Place is going to be rocking. Um, I think the Bucks are really going to come out with a sense of urgency. And, you know, if you get a 1-1 split going back to Boston, I'm fine with that. You know, whether you you lose by 25 like the Bucks did or you lose by one, it doesn't matter. You know, in a playoff series, it's it's one loss. And you got to lose four times to get knocked out. So the Bucks can certainly come back and win four out of the next six. You know, they only lost back-to-back games once all year, and it was on a West Coast road trip. Um, they've been very good whenever they've been faced with some adversity this, this year, and, and I expect nothing uh, less than a victory tomorrow. But, you know, the pressure's on. The pressure's on Mike Budenholzer, who's probably going to be the coach of the year. He got out coached in game one. You got to do better. You know, pressure's on Giannis. You know, you very well is going to be the MVP, but, you know, there are a lot of people around the league saying, well, that's great. That's your great regular season player. You know, what do you do when the money's on the line? And he really, I didn't think, you know, he had big numbers in game four against Detroit. He had like 41 points. I didn't think he played that well in that whole series, uh, partly because he wasn't as challenged as you would have liked. Um, and then obviously he didn't play good yesterday in game one. You know, Chris Middleton was kind of the only guy that was solid, but even he, for his standards, was was subpar. I mean, five for 12, 16 points. I mean, okay, that's that's nice. Um, but he's he's got to be in the 20s if they're going to win. So we'll see what happens. Um, and the other series uh, that started yesterday out west, Golden State and uh, the Rockets, the uh, the all whiner series. I mean, seriously, like nobody nobody loves the NBA more than I do, but Jesus Christ, every foul with these two teams, or every non foul. It's just constant bitching. You know, you got Harden and the Rockets crying every time they don't get a foul when he's flopping around the court like a dead fish. Or I guess not a dead fish, an almost dead fish. And then you got Golden State, who every guy on their team has never committed a foul in their life. And when they're called for it, they act like it's the end of the world. I mean, Draymond Green will hit a guy right across the arm and scream at the referee that he can't believe it. It's like, what What do you, what do you, what do you think this is? Like, who do you think you're fooling here? 
You know, and Harden's just as bad with his flopping and his pushing off and his travels. And it's like, well, I don't think people have a lot of sympathy for you, pal. You're not getting these calls that you think you're supposed to get. You still shot 14 free throws in game one. How many do you want to shoot? 25? 20? 30? I mean, come on. I mean, those those are too good of teams to allow themselves to get wrapped up into that. And, and as a fan, you know, I want to watch these guys. I mean, you got James Harden, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Clay Thompson. I mean, those are five five of the best players of this generation all going to be in the Hall of Fame. Like, I want to see these guys perform. So hopefully they can get past that. Um, you got Philly and Toronto, the other series in the East. Toronto uh, blew out Philly in game one. You know, it was another situation of Philly just, you know, inexperienced, not, not, didn't bring the intensity level, and, and Toronto punched him in the face. Um, on a game that just ended tonight, Philly did tie that series up in a close one. So they're 1-1 going back to Philadelphia. And uh, Portland and Denver are uh, are underway in game one as we speak in the other Western Conference semis. So hopefully we'll, you know, like I said, we'll come away with another uh, another W tomorrow for the Bucks. tie this one up 1-1 one one, and kind of see where things go from there. And uh, maybe later in the week I can give you my full report of being at the game and, and how many beers I drank. That's always good to tally up, right? All right, well, I'm not going to get too in-depth on the NFL draft. That's kind of Josh's department, and, you know, when he's back, we'll tackle that a little bit. Um, Packers uh, went defense heavy, which wasn't too unexpected. Um, I thought maybe with one of their first two uh, two first-round picks, you know, maybe they'd, they'd go offense, take a, take a flyer on somebody maybe with that late first-round pick. Um, but they kind of took the safe route, grabbed the kid from Michigan at number 12, Gary, and uh, the D-back from Maryland, uh, Savage, I believe. Um, you know, I heard something today on, on, a, on a radio show. <laughs> the last first-round skill position player that the Packers took for offense was in 2008, Jordy Nelson. They haven't taken one since in the first round. And the only two second, or the only three second rounders, they had Cobb. Um, oh, who am I blanking on? Devontae Adams and Eddie Lacy. Those are those were the other three. Other than that, they haven't taken anybody in the first two rounds in ten years. It's, it's interesting, you know. I mean, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm looking around like, yeah, man, I I love the defensive help, but you know, can can we get some weapons? I mean, come on, man, I you know. I'm no Aaron Rodgers fan, and I think everybody knows that. But you know, at some point, you got to get the man a little something help, some kind of some kind of athletes on the edge, or um, you know, go out and get a uh, some kind of a dynamic running back or something. Guy can catch the ball in the backfield, but I, I don't know. The, I mean, it's obvious they needed help on the defensive side, but you know, with the signings that they made, which is primarily defensive guys, and then you know, your first two picks in the draft again are on defense. I mean, I don't know. Uh, unless you're trying to be the '85 Bears, I'm not. I'm not quite sure what what the thought process is there. But you know, Goober Frost or Gunter Snatch or whatever the hell that guy's name is. Um, you know, this is draft number two. So draft number one was all right. Um, you know, his his grades after this this draft were C plus, B minus. It's always hard to grade these drafts because you really never know until the games start. But um, 
not not real high marks. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out. And uh, on the flip side, the Bears uh, did not have a pick until the third round. Took a running back, David Montgomery, out of Iowa State. <clears throat> Be the uh, Jordan Howard replacement. Sounds like a, a pretty dynamic kid, a little bit of a bell cow, can carry the ball quite a bit for you because you don't want to have a steady diet of Tariq Cohen. I, I just don't think at his size and stature he uh, he could hold up to a 300-touch season. Not only that, he's just one of those kind of change-of-pace guys. I think if you see him constantly, it's a, it's a little easier to game plan for. Um, then in the fourth round, they, they nab a receiver out of Georgia, Riley Ridley, Calvin Ridley's brother. And uh, that was a pick that everybody was, was quite high on around the league. I saw a lot of people looked at him as like a second-round talent. And, uh, you know, get a couple, couple kind of went the opposite way of the Packers and uh, and went and got a couple of weapons for Trubisky. Now, granted, the, the Bears' defense is, is pretty loaded. Um, so I think they were comfortable there that they didn't need a lot of, of help. Um, but, you know, to be able to get two guys, one of which is going to, to probably start and play a lot of, lot of snaps for you in Montgomery, um, I think that's a pretty solid draft for the Bears. Um, you know, and then both teams, Packers and Bears, grab, grab some uh, – some late round help. Packers got a lineman and tight end. Bears took a couple D backs and another running back. So, um, we'll we'll see how it goes. I I really don't care at this point on uh, the second to last day of April. I mean, wake me up in September, August maybe. Uh, but until then, I I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of out of the football realm. So, um, Brewers coming off a, a six game. Road trip, two and four, not real impressive. Pitching really struggled. Um, you know, I, on nights the the starting pitching has been good. The bullpen has let them down. Pretty much the only time the Brewers have won in the last couple of weeks is when they've scored eight runs, ten runs, hit a bunch of homers. Um, they did have the games, a couple games against the Mets where they weren't quite as homer heavy. Uh, but they went twenty. I think I, I think it was like twenty five straight runs scored before the Mets series had all come off of home runs, and that's just not sustainable. I know this team's going to hit a lot of homers, but you got to find a way to manufacture some runs. You know the the pitching is is worrisome. I, actually, at this point, I'm almost more concerned about the bullpen than I am the starting pitching. I, I think they've got enough guys that they can mix and match up a rotation. Um, kind of cobble something together here. They got six or seven guys. Once, especially once they get Jimmy Nelson back, he just had uh, some premature twins, so I'm not sure how long he's going to be out. It's at least it's not his health related. You know, hopefully things work out for him and his family. But you know, he he gives you a little bit more options. But man, that middle relief, Claudio Wilson, um, Wilkerson, it's just been bad. You know, a couple of those guys got cut today. Wilkerson got DFA'd. Uh, Pat, Pat, Patricka got DFA'd. Um, so uh, Wilson, I believe, went on the injured list or DFA'd, one of the two. So some major shuffling in that bullpen, and, and we're, we're not even to May yet. So that's that's concerning. And uh, as good as Hader is, he's been touched up a little bit, you know, because the situations are a little different than they were last year. You know, he's now expected to come in and get the last six outs, not, you know, seventh or eighth inning guy. When you're asked to be the ninth inning guy, it's just different. It's a different ballgame, different pressure. And uh, he's pitched pretty well, but he's given up some homers. 
and uh, you know, lot gave up the the game winning homer the other night to the Cardinals, and uh, I don't know. It's it's an interesting start to the year for the Brewers. Currently in third place, uh, three three back of St. Louis. They Brewers did win tonight against Colorado five to one. Aguiar finally got off the Schneid and hit a couple of dingers. So hopefully that's uh, you know the sign of a big May for him. That's kind of when he came on last year was in May and and carried that in through the All Star break. And you know, well uh, they they need his bat. They need the production. Um, you know, even if if it doesn't have to just be him, if they can get, you know, thirty to thirty-five homers and close to hundred RBIs out of first base between Thames and Aguiar, you know, that's kind of what you're looking for. Um, so we'll see, man. We'll see. Um, so that's about all I got here this week, or at least this episode. I'll try to get something done maybe later in the week. You know, maybe do a few of these twenty twenty-five minute mini pods. Here by myself, I'm not sure how great the quality is going to be. Um, Josh is going to try to clean that up for me on his end. You know, he, he he's not going to be on the air, but he's still going to be my producer. So uh, if it sounds like crap, yell at him, tweet him, text him. <laughs> He'll love that. All right, folks. Um, yeah, we'll uh, I'll keep you updated on Twitter as much as I can. Check Facebook as well, and. Uh, for my absent partner, Josh Goldberg, I'm Dan Saunders. Check us out uh, on Twitter. I'm at Dan Saunders 104 He's at Josh Goldberg. I believe I got that right. If not, type his name in. It'll pop up. And at Podcast Foul as well. So everybody wish me luck tomorrow at the Buck game, and uh, we will talk to you down the road. Go Bucks. Go Bucks.